Hey everyone, welcome back to Kindest Regards. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. You're going to have to bear with me a little bit this morning. I am recording the podcast so early. I'm doing it like before going into the office. It's bright and bright and bright and early on a Wednesday. Um, But I'm super excited to be getting back into podcasting after a little hiatus for my honeymoon, which is what... I asked you guys, as always, what you wanted to hear on the first episode back of the pod, and it was a resounding honeymoon, honeymoon, honeymoon. So I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive into what happened on our honeymoon, where we went, what I loved, all of that stuff, and then I thought it could be a good way to wrap up, maybe like a bit of a dive into getting back into a routine after a holiday, which I feel is a complete journey for everybody and is something that I have struggled with since coming home. So a little bit of everything, but definitely mostly honeymoon content, which I know you guys were after anyway. A little bit off topic before we jump into the episode, I've sort of been thinking about different fun ways to rejig the format of the podcast because I do like obviously I love podcasting I love chatting with you guys and I love talking about topics that you ask me to and you guys want to hear me talk about but sometimes I feel like I don't get to deep dive too much on certain topics because obviously there's maybe two to three per episode and sometimes that doesn't allow for that. I was thinking about different ways I could maybe talk through like more advice segments. So if you guys felt comfortable sending in more lengthy, maybe you're going through something, maybe you need advice on a specific issue, maybe you want to deep dive into a friendship problem you're having and actually get sort of more specific advice and I could read them on the podcast obviously keeping it anonymous of course and changing the names whatever you feel comfortable with um and I thought that could be kind of cool but I'm gonna leave it with you guys and I might do like a poll on the kindest regards pod Instagram and see what you guys think of that but anyway we digress let's get straight into it Okay, so I have been back from Europe for a couple of weeks now. I obviously had the most incredible time. If you follow me on Instagram, I know that you would have been so sick of all content because I was sick of myself. So fair enough. I I think I'll just I'll start from the beginning and just talk through where we went and hopefully it'll make the most sense. Um so we started in London. That was our first stop. I know I've mentioned earlier on the podcast, I was so excited to go to London because I have never been. And my Tom is half English. So he had quite a bit of family over there that I hadn't had the opportunity to meet or who couldn't make it to the wedding. So that was an absolute highlight for me was getting to explore London and meet some of that extended family. I had so much fun in London. It's, I, I think I felt like I wasn't going to understand why 
people like so many Aussies want to move to London and so many of my friends have moved to London and so many people take time and go to London and then come back six months later. And I think I was prepared to be like, I don't get it because it seems like culturally it's not that different. I don't really understand what the appeal is. Like I, I just didn't think I was going to get it. I completely get it now. I am not going to pack up and move to London. However, I totally understand the appeal of London. I absolutely loved it. I think there's so much to do. It's absolutely buzzing. It's got a real, like, it's got a warm vibe about it. I, yeah, I completely got it, like, instantly. And I didn't think I was going to. But culturally, it's just, it's an incredible city. There was, I guess, as a tourist, I did all of the touristy stuff and, Thomas was very tolerant because obviously he'd done all of that a bazillion times. But I got to do like the British Museum. We went to like the Portrait Gallery, Kensington Gardens. Like we did all of that very, very touristy stuff. Westminster Abbey, all of that. One downer, and I know that you guys will feel my pain when I tell you this. You know how excited I was to go to Harry Potter World like literally a week and a half out, we went online to book it, which I didn't realize was like a thing that you had to do. And there was not a single ticket available for the dates that we were there. So that was a very, very heartbreaking thing to get over. (laughs) I think Thomas was secretly happy, but gutted for me. So that was the only thing in London that I didn't get to do that I was so excited about, but it's a good excuse to go back. Um, I think a highlight for me in London was like Kensington Palace, Kensington Gardens. I absolutely loved doing the whole, there was an exhibition on at the time called Crown to Couture where they sort of used a space in Kensington Palace and took you through like history, like in terms of, I think it started around 1700s and then all the way to now and a lot of pivotal moments in fashion, which was quite cool. And then obviously just getting to explore the gardens and, you know, as everybody does, it's it's super beautiful and sort of somber. Just there's a lot of Diana around and it's, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. That was a complete highlight for me. One thing that we did, which we probably wouldn't have done if there wasn't family to visit, but I highly recommend doing regardless was we took a day trip outside of London to visit some family that live in the country. And we went to a seaside town called Chichester, which isn't too far from Brighton. It was about an hour and a half on the train. It wasn't far at all. And I think that this concept would apply to any any country town that you wanted to go to. But getting out of London, it was sort of halfway through the week that we were there getting out of London and going and exploring this very quintessential, stereotypically beautiful English town was, I think we obviously talked throughout the honeymoon what our highlights were. And then when we, the night before we left, we were talking about like what our favorite moments of the trip have been. And we both said Chichester because I think obviously it was great because I got to meet some wonderful family but getting to explore that side of England was really really fun particularly when you're kind of 
in the thick of the hustle and bustle of London. I think getting to have that moment, like walking through like proper wheat fields and walking by the like English sea, it was just, it was picturesque. And I do highly, highly recommend doing that if you can be bothered or you have time when you do go to London. I'm going to mention all the hotels that we stayed at because I kind of want to give it a little review as we go through. We stayed in Leicester Square at the Londoner in the in London the whole time we were there. Um, I loved the hotel. It had incredible facilities. I think that was a highlight of this hotel was it had like a full retreat downstairs. Like I've never seen anything like this. Like I know a lot of hotels have like indoor pools and all of that. It was like that on crack. It was the most phenomenal space and the bars were beautiful. The rooms were gorgeous. They were just quite small. So I think it was probably more built for like business people coming for like a a day or two, not someone with 23 kilos worth of luggage, but we may do. Um, But that was a beautiful hotel. So if you don't mind a slightly smaller room and you're more worried about the location and the facilities, the London out was phenomenal. So we left London and headed straight to Athens because we had a phenomenal, phenomenal wedding to go to there. Uh, I mean, that wedding just, there was, there are no words. I don't think we will ever go to a wedding that was quite like that ever again. It was, we stayed at the Four Seasons in Athens and that's where the wedding was. So we were there for three nights, I think all up. And it was just absolutely phenomenal. For starters, the the wedding itself was amazing. We had like a welcome evening the second night that we were there. And that was sort of drinks. It was color themed. It was right on the water at the hotel at this beautiful restaurant. It was amazing. And then the second, no, the day after that was the third day was the actual wedding in the afternoon and into the evening. And it was this incredibly lavish Greek wedding. It was just phenomenal. If you want photos there in a highlight reel on my Instagram, it was just, it was next level fireworks, fire dances, plate throwing, the whole nine yards. It was absolutely amazing. But in saying that a highlight as well was the hotel. I didn't expect to love the hotel as much as I did. I... I think because we weren't planning on doing Greece at all, like we did Greece to go to this wedding. I think we just expected to be kind of in and out, not, you know, sort of in, we were just there for the wedding, but we just fell in love with this hotel. And honestly, we both said that we would go back to Athens just to go back to this hotel. We didn't leave it. It's kind of like a little community down the like end of, it's like on the tip of Athens and It is by far in my top three hotels that I've ever been to in my life. It is insanely, insanely beautiful. The service is amazing. You're right on the sea. It's just, there was something about the whole energy of that hotel that was just spectacular. Um, I felt like that was probably when we started to feel like we were properly honeymooning. I mean, obviously we were at someone else's wedding, so maybe that's a bit weird, but 
it was so relaxing and so beautiful. And I feel like London is incredible, but it's so go, go, go. Like you don't get to switch off. So I feel like Greece was when we started to feel like we were properly honeymooning. And if you are venturing to Athens at any point and you can stay at the Four Seasons, I cannot recommend it enough. They have incredible restaurants. We had like a beef eater the first night. They have no boo. It's just, yeah, there was literally not a single complaint about that hotel. So then we left Greece and we spent the entire rest of the trip in Italy. That was, I think, when I felt like we'd fully switched into holiday mode. We went to Florence first and we stayed at a beautiful old uh, hotel called Villa Cora. It was previously owned by the widow of Napoleon and she restored it it has all its old bones it's absolutely beautiful uh it's it's called Villa Cora and it's a bit outside of the main city I would say like you know it's 10 minutes out but it was so painfully hot in Italy at this time of year that we were grateful that we were staying in a in a hotel outside of town because we had like a pool that we could rest at and get cool and all of that. But I think if you were staying in the center of town in this heat, it would be like, it would be painful. We drove to Florence from Rome. Uh, so we had a car, but it's not a driving city in Florence. Like I've been before, so I knew that, but I think because we were slightly outside of town, it was really hot. We decided to rent a Vespa to get in and out of Florence. And oh my God, that was a highlight of the trip for me. I'd never even been on the back of a motorbike. So I know it's a scooter, like I get it, but I'd never been on the back of even a motorbike. So getting on the Vespa was, I'm just not a motorbike person or a scooter person. Like I'm risk adverse. Like I was nervous, but Tom has his motorcycle license. So I was comfortable driving with him. Like it was fine. I was not comfortable actually driving. So I didn't do that. But it was some of the most fun I've ever had was being on the Vespa. It, I think it would have been a completely different vibe in Florence if we didn't have it. It was just getting in and out of town was so easy. It was so much fun. It was an enjoyable way of doing Florence in blistering heat. But even in saying that at this time of year, we would go into town. We would spend a couple of hours and we were out of there. One good thing because it was so hot was we'd both been to Florence before. So I don't think either one of us had the desire to do like, you know, the statue of David and like all we'd done all of that. So we got to avoid a lot of the queues that were sort of overwhelming to look at. Um, And we were just spending time and doing restaurants and walking and zipping around, shopping, all of that, and just spending time by the pool, which was incredibly, incredibly relaxing. So if you are going to Florence, particularly in heat, I would say staying at somewhere like Villa Cora, slightly outside of town, is a bit of a life hack because it just made that experience a lot more pleasant. Then we drove from Florence to Lake Como, which if you saw how obsessed I was with Lake Como on my Instagram when we were there. You'll know that that was the highlight of the trip for me. We stayed at an incredibly beautiful hotel called Pasalacqua. It was, there are no notes. 
there are no notes. And to say from me, I'm a perfectionist and I'm a I'm a critical person, but Tom is way worse than me. And we had no notes. This hotel was drop dead. I've never been to a hotel like this. It is number one, best hotel I've ever been to in my life. Lake Como itself is obviously visually spectacular, but this hotel was the most detail-oriented, spectacularly done, beautiful hotel I've ever been to. It's It's got everything, but it's so – like every detail is so perfectly curated and done so well. It's It's got like a little bit of – it's got an old feel about it, but it's, it's got modern elements. It's just like, it's perfect. You're right on the water. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I highly, highly recommend it. We did take like a day trip into town, but apart from that, we spent the entire time at the hotel because believe you me, like you would not want to leave. We did like a private tour of the lake, which was also just perfection. We came back and we actually saw George Clooney at our hotel and I Guys, I'm going to tell this story because I'm going to tell this story. If you saw it on my TikTok, you'll know that I saw him because I said it. But and I had people commenting on this TikTok being like, that's not him. I'm like, excuse me, don't rob me of my A-list celebrity moment. Like, yes, it was. And I'll tell you why. So I was literally walking out of the lobby and there were he was there with his family for lunch and he walked straight past me. I, he smiled at me. I mean, he was smiling at everyone, so I didn't feel special, but he smiled at me, which is why I couldn't get a photo of the front of him because the only time that I saw the front of him was when he was literally looking at me, smiling. I couldn't get my phone and be like, excuse me, George, like say cheese. Then he walked by and his family were just like looking at the hotel, like getting a little tour and then having lunch. And then I walked back down to the pool and I seriously, guys, I died. I died. I, and it was so funny because like an hour prior, like when you go on the full tour of the lake, the guy, like the captain that we had, um, they were on like one of those beautiful Chris Craft boats. It was boats. It was just the two of us. And the guy that was showing us around was like, oh, and like that house there, like that's George Clooney's house. Like apparently he's here, like with his wife. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like, you know, amazing, whatever. And then the second we get back, we get back and there he is. I was like, excuse me. A shock of my life. Anyway, um, so Lake Como was phenomenal. Um, I, I think you go to places like that that are so hyped and you sort of anticipate that it's not going to meet the hype because it can't. Like in that, nowhere can be that perfect. It's that perfect. It's a really, really special place. We both felt grim about having to leave, like not just the hotel, but I think we really like felt it was a special place. And I think that when we left, we like, we sort of let, we got in the car, we were driving to Milan and we sort of went via the town again. And we were just like, maybe we should just have a wander around like before we leave. And I think we just delayed it as long as possible, but we wrapped up the trip in Milan. Uh, I think Milan for me, it's not a summer city. So it was really, really hot. So it was a bit difficult in terms of doing long haul wandering around, but the shopping in Milan, don't get me wrong. I shopped every place we went. I'm not even going to, 
I'm not going to lie. I shopped in every single city that we went and I bought things in every single city that we went. However, Milan is a little bit next level with shopping. They have the best stuff. Obviously, they've got all of the shops that you would imagine that they have, like all the basics, but they have so many cute little boutiques and like Italian leather stores and shoe stores where it's like you're never going to get that quality elsewhere and you're no one's going to have that you can get a unique piece it's just it's a special spot for shopping like it's it's got all of it it's got all the mainstream stuff that you want but it's also got all of the little things that make shopping overseas special so if you are looking to shop I do think Milan is different I was kind of expecting it to just be like another big city like what's the difference it is different my mum raved about Milan when she was a model back in her day she lived there for six months and she said like the shopping is like nothing you've ever seen you have to make sure that you leave room in your luggage and don't get me wrong I didn't leave room in my luggage I went over with 20 kilos so RIP um Thomas didn't so we were able to sort of even out the weight but we were both still over and we didn't have to pay for it and I don't understand how but we both came back over I think I was like 26 kilos on the way back and we flew like we flew Singapore Airlines and we were in premium economy which doesn't give you any extra baggage I don't think so if you are yeah I should have gone over with less just I would planned all the outfits in my head but I knew it's weird like you know you're not gonna wear all of them but you still feel the need to pack them it's the weirdest complex that females have like I don't understand it like Thomas was better but even he overpacked like we could have packed half of what we packed and worn some of the things that we we bought as well you just don't account for that you're like oh yeah I might shop a little bit no you're gonna shop a lot like own your truth like I shopped a lot so I could have just worn half of the stuff that I bought over there but anyway can't even remember what I was talking about before I went on the luggage tangent but yeah Milan shopping highly highly recommend so we've been back a few weeks now well into the swing of things the jet lag that I suffered on the return journey I have never experienced before in my life. I'm not a huge jet lag sufferer. I've never, you know, been plagued by jet lag. You hear people talk about jet lag and you're just like, oh my God, shut your mouth. Like we've all traveled. Like I don't get what the problem is. I struggled and I took sleeping pills on the plane. I tried to line myself up to like Australian time, but we landed at 10 a.m., Uh, Sydney time and I was fine until like I'm a bit of a sociopath in terms of getting back from a holiday like I'll put the loads of washing on and unpack like the day that we get back and I think I napped but I probably napped a little too long I shouldn't have napped at all it was such a such a rookie error I think I napped at like 3 p.m for like two hours and I thought oh that's okay like that won't throw me I just think it completely threw me. I, I don't know why I would sleep until we went to bed so early, like 7 30, 8 o'clock, which was also probably a mistake. I think try and stay up as late as you can because you know that you're going to be exhausted and sleep through. I think we slept till two and then we were both kind of awake. I think Thomas the, in the days after was able to get back to sleep when he'd wake up. 
I was awake. At like two, three o'clock, I was awake. I didn't go back to sleep. I went back to work and I was just, I was a zombie, like a walking zombie. I don't know how I got things done. I did by some miracle, but I don't know how. Um, So I think getting back into a routine after a holiday can be really, really difficult. I've been really vigilant about some of the habits that I've tried to implement to get back into the swing of things. I think the second half of the year can be really hard to keep that forward momentum and like stay motivated. I graduated from uni while I was away, not in terms of like, obviously I haven't walked in a ceremony yet. That's not till October, but I got confirmation that I finished my degree while we were away, which was emotional to say the least. Six years of your life being wrapped up. Dear God, I will... I'm so happy to see the back of that law degree. However, very privileged and grateful to have done it. I didn't have that when I came back. So I knew that I was coming back to a uniless life, which is a huge adjustment for me. I've been working and, and studying simultaneously for years and years and years. So it was really just work for me that I was getting back into knowing that we didn't have the wedding to plan. The honeymoon was over. Uni was over. I was like, all right, I'm going to get into a really, really good routine. So I think with coming back, some holy grails for me that have helped is I haven't been working from home every day. I've been going into the office two, three days a week, which is an adjustment for me because normally I was a one day a week in the office work from home girl. So that's been an adjustment, but I feel like it's been helping give me more routine, which I really like. And it just kind of, Otherwise, I feel like, I don't know, claustrophobic in my own environment. And I just think it's helpful for like motivation and momentum to like, like get up every day, get dressed, go to the office, come home. You kind of feel happier to be home when you get home rather than being here all day. So if you are someone that works hybrid and you're trying to get into a better routine, forcing yourself to go in can actually be really helpful. Then meal prepping. Now I'm not going to take credit for this. Thomas has been doing all of it. I don't cook. So I wouldn't even know where to start, but Thomas has been helping me meal prep, which has helped me get into a routine as well. Coming back from holiday, any holiday, your eating habits are completely messed up. You need to get back into some kind of healthy flow that feels good for you. And I feel like meal prepping was the only way that I was going to do that. So I'm, you know, prepping on Sunday, We got all of our meals ready to go. I can take them into the office, but I also have that same meal at home if I'm working from home. So that just kind of helps me get into some structure. I've been struggling with a bit of a cough at the moment. So I got into running and I signed up with my friend Liv to do the Blackmores run in September. So I've been running. I got some new running shoes. That's been really good. I had to take a bit of time off because of the cough. Which sucks. Um, but I'm going to get back into it. So having like an exercise routine that's not super strict and rigid, but that gives you some purpose and some drive, I think helps. Having a goal for me has always been really helpful. So knowing that I have to run that in like a month is stressing me out because I'm not training as much as I should because of the cough, but we'll get there. Um, I think that's super, super helpful. Um, I'm trying to keep my weeks quite chill. I think that also really helps not overdoing it socially during the week and 
saving that for the weekend. Life hack is going out on a Friday night instead of a Saturday night. I've completely blacklisted Saturday nights these days because I just don't want to wake up on Sunday feeling tired, potentially hungover. It's a Friday night thing so that I feel like I still have the rest of my weekend, which I think is a life hack. However, this week, actually tonight, because it's Wednesday as of recording, I, like the rest of Australia, have been supporting the Matildas from afar and have my family and some friends coming over to have dinner and watch the semifinals tonight. I have never been more stressed and more anxious than watching the quarterfinals against France. Watching that penalty shootout was, to say the least, the most stressed I've been in recent times. Um, So this week I do have a few social things Oh, I actually have two social things. I feel like I'm all talk. I have two social things this week. That's um, practice what you preach, Catherine. Anyway, most weeks since being back, I've been careful about being too social. But yes, if you aren't watching the Matildas, oh, this is going live on a Thursday. So you will have missed it. But I hope everyone's been supporting the Matildas because it has been just a whirlwind and such an incredible time for sport. So go the Matildas. I hope they win. I know it's unlikely, but I'm holding out a ton of hope. Okay, you guys, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I have a full day's work to go and do. This is so unusual recording in the morning, but Probably won't be recording in the morning again, if I'm going to be honest with myself, but I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. As always, feel free to reach out to me on the Kindest Regards pod Instagram or my Instagram. If you have questions, podcast topics or anything, my inbox is always open, but otherwise I will chat to you guys next week. (laughs) 